0: Steven Stamkos is staying in Tampa Bay. Kyle Pozo is a Buffalo Sabre. The New Jersey Devils have been very active this offseason. We're getting to all of that today on another edition of McKenna's NHL Podcast. I'm your host and lead NHL writer, Kyle McKenna. Thanks for joining uh, me again today. As the NHL offseason has been pretty good so far. We've had some blockbuster trades that I don't think anyone was expecting. We've had some interesting signings. The World Cup of Hockey is right around the corner. I'll also, get to some Twitter questions with my NHL mailbag. If you'd like to have any of your NHL questions answered over this podcast, you can always tweet at K McKenna underscore TLT five, and just be sure to use the hashtag McKenna's Digest. But first, let's start with um, the New Jersey Devils. They trade uh, their former first-round pick Adam Larson for forward Taylor Hall of the Edmonton Oilers. And I get it. I know a lot of Devil fans are are very excited, and I'm excited to see Taylor Hall in New Jersey. I think he's going to do great things with the Devils. And I think John Hines and and Ray Shiro have already done a fantastic job at reestablishing this New Jersey Devils identity and having this club take the necessary and the correct steps forward to get back to being a winning uh, hockey club. And I think John Hines is really, and his staff are really going to help Taylor Hall develop uh, as a player and as a leader. So for the New Jersey Devils, I mean, look, it it's a good, it's a great trade. They The Devils got the better player. Here's where, you know, New Jersey maybe needs to kind of take a step back in the sense that, you know, I, I saw, because I paid attention and I looked over social media and a lot of Devil fans are all kind of laughing, and they, they think this is a complete steal. Like I said, I think that, look, the Devils, clearly, they got a superstar name, you know, back in their organization. It's been a few years since they've had one of these quote-unquote special players. But Adam Larson is, is really, he, I think he proved this past season that he's going to blossom into a, a top-two-tier defenseman, and he's still getting better. A lot better. There's still a lot of scalability there for Adam Larson and growth to be a more dynamic defenseman, I think, as well. Um, so while Devil fans are laughing and thinking they've got this ultra big steal here in the Taylor Hall, in the Taylor Hall trade, I'm curious to know who gets the last laugh out of all of this, though. Who? It's not going to be who's going to have the more personal success for their team. This is you know a trade where it's who, which team is going to find success, greater success. And greater success first. And if you look at what the Edmonton Oilers are doing, and I know it's cliche, but this is a different Oilers team than in years past, where look, they just they were run poorly and made some bad front office decisions. This is a different team with Peter Shirelli and Todd McClellan behind the bench. This is the Connor McDavid era. I mean, Wayne Gretzky is calling free agents and saying and saying you need to get an Edmonton asap because this is. This is the real deal now in Western Canada with the Oilers. And while the Oilers did lose a fantastic player in Taylor Hall, look, they still improved their team this offseason. They picked up, a, we can say, as Shirelli said, a non sexy, good defenseman, right handed shot. That's a hole they needed. They need the Edmonton Oilers, if they want to be successful, they need a caliber player like Adam Larson a disciplined player like Adam Larson, the guy who's a workhorse off the ice, who carries himself very well off the ice. And I know Adam Larson does. So while Devil fans are laughing, I'm just saying, keep in mind, let's see who gets the last laugh. Who's going to have greater success first? And I know it sounds cliche and crazy, but Edmonton right now, they don't seem that far off. And I'm not saying the Devils are either. I'm just saying, think about it for a second. Before you think the Devils got this huge steal, I think the Edmonton Oilers are finally there where you know they're really not that far off um from being a potential playoff team so either way you know what Ray Shiro has been able to do in New Jersey is unbelievable like I said they did get the butter player in Taylor Hall the Oilers needed a defenseman like Adam Larson the Devils clearly needed to improve up front and just get more talent uh there's no other way around it and that's what Ray Shiro is doing he's clearly added other players and has d- dismissed other players um so exciting things here for the devils and like i said i think taylor hall is is going to develop into uh potentially a better player than he was in edmonton um and we'll see if this this chemistry with adam Henrique carries over to the nhl level because that's not always the case so don't be shocked if that doesn't work with adam Henrique. But either way, exciting stuff for the Devils. And hey, they have an MVP-like player on their roster so they can make a playoff push. And that's in relation to Corey Schneider. We shall see as Jersey continues to make moves. And now let's move on to Stephen Stamkos. I was shocked. Shocked that he stayed in Tampa Bay? Yes, a little. Um, But more shocked that the announcement came before July 1st. That he was staying in Tampa Bay. It was like, well, what, what was all the speculation for? for the past year. Did it take that long for him to really reflect on what he wanted to do? I mean, either I mean, hey, look, I I think it's great. I think it's great for Tampa hockey. I think they need this. I think this franchise, the franchise, if they lost him, it would have been a big regret and I don't think they would have continued to progress as a Stanley Cup competitor like they thought they maybe could have or fans around the league thought they could have with the talent they already have. I get it, but it, he is one of those guys that is a true, special, genuine leader. He's one of those guys that is a step above a player like Taylor Hall, obviously. This guy is is one of a kind, and you build your franchise around a player like this. This is a guy you want in your organization for over a decade, because then you're going to have a chance to win at least one Stanley Cup, if not two. And now that Steven Stamkos is back in the fold in Tampa Bay with the roster they already have, I I gotta think the Tampa Bay Lightning or chances are they're gonna be back in the Eastern Conference Finals. If they don't win the Stanley Cup this year, it's gonna happen within the next two or three years. Even if they trade Ben Bishop, this guy, this kid Vasilevsky is is the real deal. He already has a t- a decent amount of exposure for a young twenty year old in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He's been put on the spot and he's got a good team in front of him. So they've got a really good mix down there in Tampa. Steven Stamkos has a special aurora around him where. He is comparable to a player like Jonathan Taze. And Jonathan Taze is a winner. He has three Stanley Cups. Steven Stamkos is a winner, but he just doesn't have the rings yet. And that will come. There's no doubting that. The way he, he presents himself on the ice, the way he works, he takes care of those. We all know Steven Stamkos can, can work magic and wonders on the ice and make players around him better. But the other little things maybe behind the scenes that the average fan may not see that add up to bigger things to put his team in a better position to be successful and to take that next step in the Stanley Cup playoffs is invaluable. And that's what Steven Stam- Stamkos brings. And to Tampa. Exciting for the Lightning and their fan base. And I know in the previous podcast before NHL Free Agency, I thought there was a chance that Montreal may kind of shift some things around and try to bring in Steven Stamkos and the Canadiens front office they did make a move, but it wasn't no one saw this coming. The Canadians trade twenty-six year old PK PK Suban, one of my favorites, uh defenseman to Nashville, the Music City, for Shea Weber, the longtime defenseman for the Nashville Predators, their team captain. So at the age of twenty six, PK Suban makes uh nine million dollars for the next five or six seasons, I believe. And then Shea Weber at the age of thirty for the Canadians is gonna make seven million. Um, for the next seven years, and I've, I think I've spoken my piece about Shea Weber in the past that, look, Shea Weber is a fantastic defenseman. He's good on both sides of the puck. He's got one heck of a shot. Everyone knows that, and he's probably going to bring a different, and he's going to bring a different attitude to the Canadiens' dressing room. Is it something they, is it one that they need compared to P.K. Subban's maybe outgoing personality and, you know, just a different brand of leadership, perhaps? Who wins the trade? I think Nashville wins the trade. I, I th- like I said I can't I can't speak h- more highly enough about Shea Weber, but he is 30 years old, and that's a long contract for a guy who's played a lot of years in the Western Conference, and in my opinion has lost a step, you know, defensively. And it's maybe since he's going to the Eastern Conference he'll regain a step and you know a different sense of swagger and confidence and just you know different guys fitting differently with different teams. I'm not so sure I I think he's going to have a, you know, just as much if not more responsibility with the Montreal Canadiens than he did in Nashville. He had a lot of talent on that blue line to take some pressure off him, all while I think he lost a step. And PK Suban, this guy's in the prime of his career. For some reason, he the Canadiens no longer wanted him. Uh their front office has he made it clear that they think they're, the Montreal Canadiens are a better team with Shea Weber rather than P.K. Subban. So you have to respect that. I get it, but I just think going forward, I'm not so sure. I think P.K. Subban going forward is is still going to be a more dynamic player and is going to blossom into you know a better leader and maybe more mature behind the scenes and things we, we don't see and maybe clearly the Canadiens saw. But P.K. Subban is a unique talent, and I think it's difficult to depart with a unique talent like P.K. Subban and a personality that is the face of your organization in Montreal, the mecca of the hockey world. Um, So I think P.K. Subban, I think the Predators got the better player. I think they got the better end of the stick. But it's another one of those things. It's like we're going to have to wait and see. It's going to be who gets that last laugh, who's going to have the greater success first. And if the Canadians reach that greater success first, and it doesn't happen in Nashville, Subban, I'm just saying hypothetically, well, then, you know, that's what people need to look at. Even though the Predators got the better player, it doesn't mean they'll win the trade. Now, that's just hypothetically speaking. That's just one perspective. What do I think? I think the Predators are going to win this trade. I think P.K. Subin is going to, should complement you know, UC Jokinen and the other guys on that blue line well. Uh, it adds a a completely different threat now to the Predators' power play unit, defensive unit, how they're going to skate the puck out of the zone. It's a new wrinkle in Nashville and maybe a change of pace that they've needed. And I think P.K. Subban is going to embrace the change. I think he's one of those guys. He'll go to a place like Nashville, the Music City, and oh, by the way, I was down there for All-Star Weekend, one heck of a hockey town. They love their Predators, and they know their hockey down there. They're going to embrace PK, and PK is going to embrace that spotlight in the Music City. Sure, it's not Montreal, but it's still, it has turned into just a different spotlight down there. But it's still a hockey town, and he's going to embrace this change, and I think he's going to be on a mission. Will Shea Weber be as, and there's less pressure. There's probably less pressure for PK to perform now. And maybe he can just kind of not hesitate or think twice about how he's playing or whether it's on or off the ice, whatever he's doing. Maybe a little more relaxed environment will be a good thing for PK Supan. Now, Shea Weber, will he be able to adopt to the Montreal environment? Yeah, I think he's got the thick skin where he'll make a good impression. I think he'll handle it well, but we'll have to wait and see. Since, uh, let's go back to just Steven Stamkos. I'm just thinking here. Um, so, since Stamkos stays in Tampa Bay, that opens up the door for other players to get paid, such as Kyle Pozo. He signed seven years with the Buffalo Sabres. So, I mean, once the Sabres and the Red Wings were in, in the running for Akpozo and a guy like Franz Nielsen, um, the Islanders go and get Andrew Ladd. Those are other teams who are rumored to be interested in Steven Stamkos. So players like Akpozo, Andrew Ladd, and Franz Nielsen, you know, no surprise there that those three players went to either three of those teams, the Sabres, Red Wings, or the New York Islanders. For the New York Islanders, I think Andrew Ladd is, is a veteran player that in presence they need, um, just as a whole, whether it's on uh, you know on the ice in the locker room, he's definitely he brings a, a must win mentality in my mind. Uh, maybe something that the Islanders have been missing in the past. You know, is it the best signing and the best move the Islanders could have done? Ah, maybe not the best, but you know, no no complaints there. But the Islanders did lose some other key players like a Franz Nielsen, Kyle Pozo, and now Matt Martin goes and signs with Toronto. So it will be interesting to see if the Islanders try to make any more moves. They bring guys up. And the Buffalo Sabres, you know, bringing on a guy like Kako Pozo, it's just another player to that roster that's going to help them win and improve me right in the fact that they've done a really good job at rebuilding there. I'm more than likely going to pick the Buffalo Sabres to make the playoffs this year. Um, I know goaltending is still a question, but they weren't healthy in that position last year. But I think they'll get it done. I think it's it's finally their time. And now I'll transition over to hashtag McKenna's Digest, my weekly NHL mailbag that I hold. If you'd like your question answered over this podcast, you can always tweet at McKenna underscore TLT5, and just be sure to use the hashtag McKenna's Digest. And first question is from Mindy Avino. Are you surprised that the Oilers didn't pick a defenseman with their first-round pick? Not so much just because Pugliarvi dropped. So in in that circumstance, I know. Look, Edmonton's made the mistake of of maybe picking the quote unquote best player in a forward, but I think everyone knew Peter Shirelli was going to make a move regardless for a defenseman. So I wasn't that shocked. And oh, by the way, I I I think that I think Paul Jarvi, I think Paul Jarvi is uh, going to complement the McDavid era very well. And like I said, they, they have something special finally going on there in Edmonton. At Farmer John 22, Korea versus Roenick versus Zubov. Who's the closest to the Hockey Hall of Fame and why do all three get in? I think at some point all three do get in. I think I spoke last time on McKenna's NHL podcast that I think it's ridiculous that these guys have to wait. Some of these players have to wait decades to get into the Hall of Fame. And I get it's, you know, maybe it depends who they're up against and who's in that class to get in, but. If a player retires, right, and they have to wait 30 years to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame or even 10 or even 8, are they really a Hall of Famer? And sometimes these guys are. It's like once they're eligible, just put them in the Hall of Fame. What What is the wait for? Maybe it's a marketing thing. I don't know. Maybe these guys just make you earn your stripes even more even though they just were... You know, we're having a conversation about them being a, a professional athlete, being inducted into Hockey Hall Fame in Toronto. I think it's just it's ridiculous. But either way, I think Paul Korea deserves to be in there. Jeremy Roenick and Sergei Zubov. Sergey Zubov is one of the most underrated defensemen probably ever. At least since in my in my time. I mean, this is a guy who 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 was like a Scott Niedermayer. He was a winner. Couple Stanley Cups. He was a unique talent for his time. And if you look at his numbers and and what he was able to accomplish in his career, he's a Hockey Hall of Famer. Jeremy Roenick and Paul Correa, hey, those guys were great players during their time and all-star caliber players for years at a time. And when you think of USA Hockey, you think of Mike Medano, and Jeremy Roenick's right there in that same conversation. So if he's right there in that same conversation with a Mike Medano, who's in the Hockey Hall of Fame, Jeremy Roenick, look, the numbers are there. Um, Sure, he never won a Stanley Cup, but... I think that guy's a Hockey Hall of Famer. Um, and, you know, it also has to do with the era in which they played. And if you compare Ronick to other guys in that era, yeah, I, I think he deserves to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Should he be in the Hall of Fame for broadcasting? Um, you know, I don't mind him as much as other people, but that's a story for another time. Paul Correa, again, it's an error thing for when he played and for how good he was and the all-star caliber player that he was. And it may be some things he did in the community with the Anaheim Ducks. Um, I think those are things the committee takes into consideration, and I think he's another guy. You know, the, the numbers don't lie. If you watch the highlight reel, that guy was a special player. And I, I can't, you know, nowadays when you turn on the NHL Network and, and Sportsnet TSN, you see guys coming into the league and they compare them to certain players. You never really hear anyone ever being compared to Paul Kariya, and that's not in a bad sense. Well, all, you know, you can't say, well, that means he, you know, he wasn't that good. He wasn't a hockey All-Famer. I think he was just that. I feel like I've used unique so much on this podcast already, but he was. He Paul Kariya was different. The way he skated and the energy he brought to the ice. He was a captain. You know, he played in Anaheim all those years when back then the expansion teams were just for the usually just i mean the ducks were so bad for so many years so i think that has to be taken into consideration and then korea was part of that i call it the, the lockout fraternity where some guys were kind of struck by once the lockout happened some guys you know they tried playing and they kind of fell off the radar map not i think korea is a part of that fraternity i just mentioned but not so much i think the numbers were still there post lockout for paul Korea. but no one really remembers him playing for the predators or the st. louis blues maybe is that in the committee's mind possibly but i think paul Korea does deserve to be in the hockey hall of fame he's got a gold medal and again i just i think it's ridiculous that if a player retires doesn't get into the hall of fame and then has to wait you know a decade what he wasn't a hall of famer after he stopped playing hockey but now he is because he had to wait 10 years so good really good question there and thank you again for everyone to tuning in. I really appreciate it. And if you'd like, I'm now on Instagram, McKenna underscore NHL. And you can also like my Facebook page, Kyle McKenna NHL. And the difference between these social media platforms with me is just sharing different content, uh, maybe adding some humor on Instagram, et cetera, just different posts. Um, so if you're you're on social media, you can follow me. Catch you guys next time. Thank you.